0: hello and welcome to the hey mama podcast
1: supporting women to make soul-centered and heart-driven decisions in motherhood
0: going back to basics changing our stories and trusting ourselves i'm emily and i'm annabelle Hey hey mama
1: welcome to today's episode Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. We are chatting with Jodi today, who is the owner of Door to You, a holistic counselor, yoga, and meditation teacher. She comes from a background of working in youth justice with risk youth. After a break and some self discovery, she's now shifted from the conventional approach to a holistic approach in supporting people. So, today we're going to be chatting about the belief creation that happens in the first seven years of life and this is so important for parents to understand and actually so important for us to know about ourselves
2: so welcome Jodie thank you for joining us
1: thank you so much thank you
2: both for having me I'm super (laughs) excited to be here and being in this conversation like you said it's so important to have and just to have that awareness of it's powerful
1: Mm, yes it is. it is so yeah well before we start why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and your journey and also you know Jody, you're like a really old friend of mine we've known each other Aww. since we were teenagers right like yeah <laughs> such a long time and it's Aww. actually been so nice to kind of watch your journey and journey alongside you over like the past decade and, and more <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's just crazy. Hey, like we've definitely yeah. gone through so many different like eras and stages together. It's yeah. absolutely a
0: journey. <laughs> oh, I love it. Tell us about that. Tell us how I, you I want to hear, hear it. oh, I don't know. I want to hear some stories, <laughs> but maybe another time. <laughs> maybe another time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: before before um this like, awareness happened with us. A long <laughs> yeah.
2: time a lot of there's no awareness back then <laughs> <laughs> good fun uh, yeah tell, uh, us, tell us about this journey that, you, that you've gone on yeah and why
1: you're doing.
2: so I'll try make it not go for too long but it's I do really enjoy sharing it because it is absolutely a journey so when I went to uni I did a double degree in psychology criminology and justice and That kind of led me into my youth justice work. So I worked there for a couple of years in youth justice as a youth justice officer. And I have to admit, like, when I first started, I was a bit like, oh, I actually just wanted to work with adults. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't really want to work with the youth. Like, oh, it's just going to be like kind of petty stuff. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. just acting up, I guess, because that's how I was as a teen, like acting Mm -hmm. up um so I was like oh anyway a position opened and it just like fell in there and it was like I was just meant to be there like no doubt about it and through that I realized like oh my gosh like it's nothing like it's not petty stuff and like you see where they come from and everyone used to be like to me like oh like oh they just act up and they do this like how do you have patience for them I'm like it's not even about what they do but it's like What's happened to them? Like no doubt they were going to end up in that space. And actually there's a book recently that Oprah and Bruce Perry brought out and it's called What Happened to You? And it reminded me so much of when I worked with these kids because people always used to be like, oh, why do they do that stuff? What's wrong with them? And this book's all about like we're asking the wrong questions rather than what's wrong with them. We need to ask what happened to them because mm-hmm. there's always a place of trauma where they you know, they haven't been loved, they haven't been cared for, they've been hurt as a child. Like when we understand that, we can move from a place of empathy rather than like, oh, what's wrong with them? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that like really came alive for me in Youth Justice. And then um, I took a break and went travelled for a few years, lived overseas, and I think because I went into – like straight from uni, straight into youth justice. I was so young working there when I was like 21. I never kind of like had the time to like explore like my own stuff, what was going on for me and my own belief system and how that was showing up. So I went into like the world, which is like the perfect place to explore yourself. But I realised like so many unhealthy and limiting beliefs I was holding on to. And like it led me into like a bit of a dark path, like, And a bit of a self-hatred path as well, as much as I loved my life, stuff I would do was moving from a place of not loving myself at all. Mm. Um, So it was, yeah, really interesting to then witness all that. And I, I moved back home and I came to yoga and I originally went there with this intention of like, I had massive body image issues and I was like, I need to lose weight, went to Bikram yoga, went hardcore, trying to lose weight. And then... In class, I dislocated my knee and it was actually like the best thing that could have happened for me because it was like this forced slow down. And at this point, the like benefits of yoga had already kind of creeped in underneath all that. I just wasn't aware, but Mm. I was like, I can't give up this practice that has made me feel so good. So it, it was just this beautiful, like awareness of my body then came in of like, okay, how can I slow down? How can I nurture myself? And then I was like, studied my yoga teacher training, which just like, I was like, I will never teach yoga, definitely not. (laughs) And then after that, my confidence completely changed. And I was like, oh my God, there's so much power to this. I have to share it with the world. And then I went and like taught yoga in Portugal and stuff like that. And then came back, did my meditation teacher training. And I was then ready to like work with youth again. But I thought, I can't work in that way that I was in that government system because it was just not working. And I was like, now I've learned all these beautiful holistic approaches, how can I combine them? Because now I know like the self-awareness of what happened when I had my beliefs. Like imagine if they knew that and people would tell them like just how incredible they are and that they can change and they don't have to be, you know, part of the cycle that they're in. So I looked into more holistic work with young people and I started, I did training for um, a program called Standing Strong. So I'm a facilitator of a holistic wellness program for young people and then just shifted into I'm doing a master's in holistic counselling now just to, you know, deeper my knowledge a little bit further and keep working with young people. But part of this working with young people, what I've seen a lot recently is they're like it's fantastic. They come to me and they're like, yep, yep, we're learning all this stuff, but then they're going home to the same environment and their parents haven't been willing to see that they need to do some growth and healing as well. And without that, it's really hard to get young people a space to, like, change and grow because they're constantly stuck in an environment that they don't really have much control over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> now mm-hmm. I got to this work and realising, yeah, now to, like, I guess I always wanted to like break the cycle and I thought that was working with youth and it still is to some extent, but when they're with their parents, if they're not willing to heal, that's really where the work needs to be with parents healing themselves to then nurture and honour their child and love their child and create that safe place for their child to have these beautiful beliefs that they can be anything and anyone Mm
0: -hmm. and like not
2: pass down their traumas.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. That was so, so yeah. Interesting. I'm glad you shared your journey. I mean, I think that a lot of people can probably relate to that in like similar things in their own life. I definitely can. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know that I had done development work on myself and then yeah, went home and then I was like, uh, you guys need to like sort your shit out. Can you yeah. do what I've done because you're triggering me still <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. you have not changed. And this is, yeah, I don't know. And I, and I feel like, yeah, sometimes when we're around our parents, no matter how old we are, we are still that little girl or little boy. Um yeah, absolutely. We can definitely like revert back to that and still need the same sort of things from them that we needed back then, maybe that we didn't get. And then, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of like a, I guess a whole other topic, but I'm really interested to get into it. Um because I d- I know about belief systems, I mean, but I want to hear all your take on it. I'm super interested.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess like I've I've been diving into it quite a bit um in the last few years of belief systems and also around like because they are created in our first few 7 years of life and actually like the second comes into our wound beliefs are already being passed on Mm. so like there is so much importance and also like if you're pregnant like doing that work still so we're not passing these beliefs on while in the womb and then coming out with it so but mainly in the first seven years it's where our beliefs are started so if we have parents who aren't willing to do the work or check in on their triggers or anything like that it's so easy to be passed down and you know it's what we see if like there's a kid who's like angry in the supermarket and then you see a parent like yelling at them to stop being so naughty for being angry and then it's like this belief that they can't have anger that it's a naughty thing to be if they do it then they're a bad person and then they move through life with this I'm a bad person belief Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then it just the way beliefs like play out is it just blows my mind <laughs> and like especially on that sub subconscious level and which makes it I think this is where awareness really comes in I think awareness is just everything when it comes to our healing journey mm. and, yeah, I, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah 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 sorry no I was just gonna say it's like something happened and then we made it mean something that we were too young to probably realize or have that awareness that we were making that direct like correlation, but now that we're older, we can.
2: Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, and, and I guess that's the goal. Yeah, and if we if we don't realize what our beliefs and limiting beliefs are, we kind of keep having this space of judgment for ourselves for any behavior that we do. So, like, if you have that a belief of, let's say, I'm a bad person, on a subconscious level, your mind is going to gravitate to anything to confirm that belief for you Mm. even if we know it's on a conscious level it's unhealthy because on a subconscious level it's it's what we're familiar to and as humans we love familiarity anything like that we're going to gravitate towards Mm -hmm. things kind of play out in that way for us so having that awareness of like oh actually this isn't me and this is a belief that was created when i was younger that's when we can start to make those changes and those shifts on a conscious and shift it into the subconscious level. It's
1: like, yes, yes, it's just so big. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's actually even it it's a scary thing as a parent, I think, to I realize how influential you are. To your child, and how if you don't sort your shit out, well, then your child will just have the same issues that you are currently facing, and it will, and it, this will just continue until that one person decides to break that cycle. Mm. And I think you know a lot of like, well, me and you, Annabelle, and I'm sure mm. a lot of our listeners, <clears throat> we are those cycle breakers, and mm. it feels like a big freaking task right it really does um but it's also if you flip it the other way it's also quite an honor to be the one to do that for future Mm -hmm. generations
2: yeah it it is a beautiful place to be to be able to do that but like you said it is so hard and it's at times super lonely Mm -hmm. because and when we do speak to that subconscious mind level it is us being constantly living in uncomfortable situations because we're mm. breaking away from things that have felt familiar for so many years. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: That's it. And I think as well, like, you know, you talk- you were saying before about as soon as a baby is in your womb, they are picking up on all those patterns. And I think it's really interesting to point out, you know, like you can start kind of, doing that work and working through, you know, your your personal triggers that are happening in your life and, and the ones that are happening for you before you have a baby are often um, things to do with your work life or triggers around your partner, potentially triggers with your parents. And those are the ones that I guess you can start with and then as soon as a child comes along, they often bring up things that you didn't even know were there, right? Like these mm. childhood things that had been kind of tucked away so deep in there and especially at the age that the child is at that time, it's, com- it's a complete mirror reflecting back to you yeah. your own things and your own thoughts and your own ideas from that
2: particular age. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and like this... um so much I think is having self-compassion for yourself as well as you shift into this, like, and not feeling like if a belief comes up and you do something, especially maybe like, say you do yell at your child, like don't feel guilty about that one time. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to have that self-compassion for yourself. Like I like fully understand why that's there and it doesn't mean that it's going to impact them in that one moment. Like I can compassionately hold myself in this situation and now I have that awareness and I can move forward
0: differently. Hmm. Oh, yeah, okay, because that's a big one. I think we've all done that. <laughs> and then you're like, oh man, I'm fucking them up because I'm like, why are you listening to me? I'm literally telling you, I cannot get the ball from the back seat because I'm driving. I say to you every time, but you don't listen and you cry every time. I can't. anyway yeah yeah it's
2: it's realizing that it's like all those moments are just part of like the normal human experience and that we're going to have and that doing that every now and then isn't going to have an impact on your child a
1: hundred percent and just having that awareness of it like how many times would you know that happen I don't know like For me, like there'll be multiple moments a day where I don't get it, I don't parent in the exact way that I would want to, but I also think that that's something that's okay because I'm not a robot, you know. I'm not, I'm a human being and I have emotions and it's okay for me to display those to my child. It's just not okay for me to project them. And, yes, that may happen in odd moments, but I will also let them know that, oh, hang on a second, that actually wasn't okay what mummy just did then. Like I Mm. was responsible for my feelings right then. Like, yeah, I yelled and and that wasn't um, my best moment, right? And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I did that. I just felt angry and the anger took over for a minute and I didn't um, release it in a way that felt good and felt healthy and was, um, you know, the right way to treat you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like parents owning their shit when that happens is everything because that it's in that moment where your child learns so much like hold on okay if I do do that I can apologize and I can make changes it doesn't determine who I am and who I'm going to be forever
1: exactly and I mean let's even then go into I know that we were going to chat about like parents wanting to fix things because that's such a a huge thing like we we don't want Ch- it's like this thing in us that we don't want our children to be um, upset or be or be hurt or, or experience um, adversity, I guess. So mm-hmm. let's talk about
2: that a little <laughs> bit and what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, so I, I hear it actually a lot when I work with young people and then I communicate with their parents and they're like, I just don't know what to do. I can't fix them anymore. And I'm like, that is not your job. Your job is to love them no matter what they do, no matter what situation they're in. Your job is to love them through that, not to try to fix them, but just support them
0: Mm.
2: in however they need. And often I hear from young people, probably more teenagers, when it comes to parents, it's like they always say, oh, mum or dad, they just try to fix me, but all I want is Mm. them to listen
0: I just want
2: them to listen. And I think that's such a big take, thing to take is like everyone just wants somebody to listen to them without giving them solutions all the time. Yeah. Just to be like, that sounds really
0: hard. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that, yeah, yeah, it definitely shows up in my life and in like family members' lives of just wanting that, Um yeah, you you want to say validation, but it is they just want to be validated in how they're yeah. feeling or in what they're going through, and not mm-hmm. be like yeah, try and try to fix or change or say that that's wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's definitely a huge one. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like, is this
1: something like? Because I'm really curious. Like, you know, obviously you've worked with these troubled I would I don't know if that's the right word but you know youth that or yeah. at risk or I don't know what I don't know what the correct terminology would be yeah. and obviously you know I sit here as a parent going well that's like the last thing that I want for my child right I don't want them to grow up to be in an in a situation like that like it's kind of like a fear for for parents right that you mm-hmm. want the best for your child yeah. and you don't want that to happen to them so from your experience in that, you know, like, what have you kind of learned from working with them? And obviously, like you just said, like they like I think it just sparked in me there how you're saying they just want to be validated. Like, is there other things that have come up for you while you've been in those, um, yeah, situations and
2: experiences? Yeah, definitely. And I guess coming back to the belief thing is with those young people I worked with, who it came back to that question of like not what's wrong with them, but it's what happened to them. Like you saw their life that they all came from and it's just absolutely heartbreaking that a child could live that way Mm -hmm. and be exposed to that stuff. And that most of them i have had parents who were offenders as well, so they just feel like this is the normal for me to keep going on. But the big change for me, and it's one day I would love to actually go back to the prisons and work in a holistic way with them on yeah, on this belief stuff. And I think that what they really needed along the way was one person to tell them, you don't have to be like this. You get to choose how you want to live your life. Because they are stereotyped by our society big time. So they'll they might try to go to school and, you know, the teachers know who they are. So straight away they are always the first to be in trouble. They're the first for a teacher to say, Stop being so stupid or you should be embarrassed. You're a disgrace. Get out my classroom. So all these things around them are constantly confirming their belief that they are unloved, they are unworthy and they're not good enough. So their actions are just going to allow them to end up in behaviour that mirrors exactly that belief. Mm
0: -hmm. So when we –
2: and that's what – yeah, that was my number one thing, being like imagine if somebody sat these young people down at that young age and just said, you know what? You can be anything you want. You don't have to be what these societies telling you you are. You get to choose and you are loved. And there are people out there who want to support you and will help you. And if we, as a, it it is definitely on that level with those kids as a society movement and a community movement because we have to change our language on like everyone working with them and especially what I see now actually with young people in the school systems is how teachers talk to them. It's Mm -hmm. like they teachers really create these beliefs in them that, you know, they aren't good enough and that they should be embarrassed if they fail something or if they don't understand something. So it's all these languages. And I think language is one of the most important things to come back to and how we can help nurture people. And, give them the love that they deserve and give them the space to flourish and grow into who they're meant to be. I think
1: that's really important. And I think exactly what you're saying and teachers. Yeah, absolutely. And how much time children are spending at school, you know, Mm. like so much time around these people. And it's actually, yeah, like I get a bit of a fire in my belly because obviously I, I was a teacher and well, I am a teacher, but I don't work in the system anymore. And this is, one like this is actually the number one reason why i am no longer working in the system and why i don't want that for my children and it is to do with this language and what is being the what is being put into my child's head just day to day and not it not because someone um not because teachers want to do this they don't want to um, cause any pain they don't want this it's they're just doing they're basically living from their own um, you know belief systems and trauma and whatever it is and they're yeah. just doing all they know and I think a lot more um, education would certainly be benefited you know for to be put out there for teachers for this because I, I do feel like there's a lot more education on this with parents for sure like yeah. I think that there's so much more awareness coming up with this but no, not so much for teachers, and not realizing the impact of what they say, and especially this language with shame. Like I think that's really kind of what you're talking yeah. about as well, like yeah. the shame and the guilt um, that they just do. And and I get it as well. Like there's a lot of stress being um a teacher, and I've never worked in high school, so I don't know. But I imagine, you know, there's a lot of. Um, there's still a lot of the same stresses and especially around behavior and things like that. So they're just doing what they can, but um, yeah, that was my little rant. Yeah. yeah.
0: Bring it on. Love it. Love it. Love your little <laughs> rants and fire. It's definitely, it's definitely a massive topic. I think I, I don't know, there was some, something that I saw on Instagram one time and it's like when you, you're shaming someone, they're not like understanding the difference between what you're trying to say or what someone's something that's being said to you and who you are so like if you're a child you're just like well then I'm shameful like that's just who I am if someone's like telling me that I'm doing something wrong or I should be embarrassed or disappointed in myself sort of thing they just internalize that then they're shameful um yeah I mean you do see it a lot unfortunately and yeah I guess like we're just wanting to break that cycle in in the way that we speak to our own children and ourselves um so tips (laughs) any (laughs) any top tips (laughs) yeah I would say definitely
2: um yeah check in with yourself I think and a big reminder is that you know say if your kid is screaming and yelling and in that moment you feel embarrassed so your reaction Mm. is to tell them to be quiet anything like that. In that moment, kind of check in with where you're at and remember that your child's behaviour is not a reflection of you because that often that's can what can what happen. Like they, you see your child screaming, yelling, and you think, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing for me. People are watching. So what am mm-hmm. I going to do? I'm going to tell my kid to be quiet. And remember in that moment that at, your child's behaviour is not a reflection of you when they're, you know, just wanting to be heard or anything like that in that moment. So when we take away that idea of this is a reflection of us and people are judging me for what my kid is doing, then we can start to get a little bit underneath that and be like, okay, no, how can I hold my child in this moment rather than worry about other people's judgments on how I am as a parent? Mm
1: -hmm. And actually... (laughs) Adding to that as well, it's not a reflection of you, as you said. And also, it's not a reflection of how they will be in one year, two years, five years, 10 mm. years. And I think that that's something that comes up for us. Like, we see our children doing things that it's really triggering. And perhaps it's like um, something that's really selfish that they're doing. Like, I know that for a lot of people, that can be super triggering. Like, their child's being really selfish, and immediately you're going to like, oh, no, I've created this really selfish being and you just flash your life forward to another, like for, to when they're 30 or, you know, 20 or 30 or more and, and you're like, they're just going to be this really selfish person and then, again, it goes back to that's a reflection on me. And I think that that's um, just something that we really need to check in on too because who they are right now in that, in that moment as a two-year-old, as a five-year-old, you know, It's who they are in that moment and it's where their brain is developmentally and there's just so, so much more learning and growth to do, you know, over the years. Um, So, yeah, I think that's something to kind of be aware of.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that completely comes back to our own belief system and that's why we need to get to know ourselves and explore ourselves and see what's showing up. So when we're feeling like that judgment from others and then we might mirror that onto our kids we can step back and be like actually what's the story I'm telling myself here
1: Mm. yeah yes the
2: story exactly
1: that's yeah that's exactly right um and you know how do we like what (laughs) what is the best way to go about it is it is it literally just having the awareness in the moment like is journaling like reflecting on the day like what is a practice that you use to kind of figure out what your stories are, what your beliefs are in order to then find a way to, I guess, make some change.
2: Yeah, and I think super, that's super depending on the individual, but for me, journaling is a big one. Like what showed up in my day, what triggered me and what does the trigger feel like to me? Like what does it feel like in my body? Let's check in on that level as well. Because when we know how something feels in our body, Mm -hmm. then we can be like, oh, I'm really aware that something's happening right now. And then that awareness starts to come in. And then once that awareness in, we can explore that a little bit deeper. And I think writing it out is a lot better because often if we're trying to figure it out in our head, we're just using thoughts to cover thoughts and beliefs to cover beliefs that we can't really be in this actual moment of trying to explore that. So writing it down is such a beautiful way to really explore it with getting out of your mind and belief system, but also having someone to talk about it with because, like I said before, you know, when we have these beliefs and they're in our subconscious mind, we are going to close ourselves off to a lot of that. Like we're not going to allow ourselves to see that because that's super uncomfortable if we see that our belief that we've carried for 20, 30 years is wrong Mm. and not real. We're not going to allow ourselves to see that. So having someone who you can work with to be like, hey, do you see how this played out? That is a really great way to get to those deep-rooted beliefs because when we journal, it's awesome we could see beliefs but we have our beliefs and then we have the ones underneath the core beliefs that everything Mm -hmm. stems from, which we probably won't see unless we're willing to, you know, work with somebody to explore that a little bit deeper just because that's how our bodies are wired. It's to protect us so it doesn't want us to see
0: any differently. Mm oh yeah we are complex oh (laughs) yeah 100% and I think a lot of like that like talking to
1: someone about it whether that be a professional or just your partner or whoever like someone you're accountable to like that takes a lot of vulnerability too like that's one of the yeah I would say like personally for me it's about getting vulnerable and kind of like yeah, opening my heart up a little bit and dropping in um, to be able to do that and see where you have kind of, where things are going. Like, yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but I know like, yeah, with, like, with my husband, like if we're checking in with each other, it can feel quite confronting to have to do that and we try and hold each other yeah. accountable and, you know, like we've got a thing now where we're like, okay, if the other person is triggered we won't say anything in that moment because it can often be a bit too much for them and they can take it as criticism but we'll try and like talk about it at the end of the day but even then it can still feel like a big stab in the gut right Mm. yeah and
2: and that's totally coming back to because it wasn't aligning with the belief that we're trying to call out Mm. so that's even though it could be really healthy to have this conversation underneath it feels super unfamiliar and we're going to stay in the place that feels familiar so totally I think when we look into this stuff we have to have compassion for the uncomfortable moments and realize Mm -hmm. that they're there because they're just trying to protect us
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no I mean I agree I mean I feel like I've done I guess we're gonna we're gonna start finishing up here. But like I've done a fair bit of um, you know work on myself and personal development, and it was always in beautiful close circles of women, and I loved it. I really did. I really did love it. And also, I have realized that like going to speak to someone who is separate from me, like not in a circle that I'm familiar with, not in um, someone that I'm close to or knows me, like going to speak to someone. Um, like completely separate to me has been really helpful um, mm-hmm. in terms of like figuring things out because they're not looking at me through the lens of like, oh, I know you and I know this. It's literally like, oh, wow, like how is your brain working and like let's work on these things. And I mm-hmm. just think that everyone should have that opportunity to do that because, I, I mean, this is like going on a tangent here, but, you know, we have these <laughs> beliefs in us. And they will stop us from reaching out to people if we like if we feel like that belief that we've held onto is going to get like triggered, right? So yeah, it's like I don't want to feel ashamed if I speak to people about that, so I'm going to go to someone separate.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. that's
0: that's great as well, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, talk to no, people. Really <laughs> I think that that was
1: yeah, a really good point. Actually, I loved that um so yes well now that we are kind of (laughs) getting to that time as you said Annabelle do you now Jody want to share with us where we can find you and you know anyone who's listened today if they want to follow along and and see what's going on with you
2: yeah so um I'm on Instagram as daughteryou.wellbeing and that's probably the best way to find me reach out I'm always open in the DMs um And, yeah, open for one-on-one holistic counselling. I actually have a program that I am launching in a month's time all about like a deep healing container that's going to be all about, you know, the one-on-one work but also the group work and healing the mind, body and soul level as well as the energy level. Mm -hmm. So that will be coming out in about a month and that's really to break the cycle. Amazing.
1: Oh, sounds really good, amazing! Oh, thank love you so much it. for chatting with us today. And yeah, we oh, love. Um, thank you, really chat. me. Yeah, I it's kind of cool. about
0: this stuff all day, honestly. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. I know it's always I a bummer it. sometimes when we have to wrap up, but yeah, yeah you know, yeah. we have got, mm-hmm. got things to do. So, <laughs> yeah. That's it. No, I love it. It's definitely, like my number
1: one reason for kind mm-hmm. of journeying into yeah yeah just like even the work that I do like this is it it's to kind of stop my children from having to kind of go through as much as I have I don't think that you can ever ever completely end things and I don't think you should have to because I think cover no, yeah. things themselves but um yeah let it most of my shit end with me
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly they'll pick up their own stuff and you just get to yep. love them through it all that's a beautiful thing
0: yeah yeah, yeah so true all right yeah I'll see you guys
2: later then oh thank you so much Bye.
0: Bye.
1: thanks for listening to the hey mama podcast
0: If you're enjoying the show, please share with friends and follow our social media pages to keep up to date with the latest episodes.
1: We hope you're having a beautiful day, Mama.